This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, May 31st, a Memorial Day extension of our weekend here as we get back into uh, podcast mode on a Tuesday. Not a lot of breaking news for us to really jump into. I Last week at this time, uh, Jaden Lamar hadn't verbally committed our name. We knew he was going to, and, and he did. Guys, why don't you just weigh in on on what you see of Jaden Lamar, the running back coming to Notre Dame next year. It's automatic. I mean, it's an upgrade because it was Cedric Irvin instead, but it's hard to, uh, it's hard to evaluate Lamar against what they have, not including Tyree. Cause I like what they have. Like I really like Jadarian price. I never think to myself, all right, well there, you know, you're, you're push. Sometimes when you, when you bring in a recruit, you automatically think, well, there goes that guy's chances, but I don't right. feel that way at all with Jadarian price. I know that everybody's kind of down on digs right now and uh, the shoulder injury puts things into question, but I think we might be burying him a little too fast too. If Logan Diggs can just get through this injury and be committed, he's a, he's a valuable guy to have on the team too. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty good running backs room. Um, but I don't think I rate Lamar. Oh, I think I rate price as having the best career right now out of the group. I like Lamar seems a little bit more all purpose to me mm-hmm. um, than Price uh, did. And I mean, look, you got to have multiple running backs who can play, not just multiple. Like, no, you're you gotta, right. You have guys who are, you can trust to put in a game, yeah. um, you know, and I, I think that the staff is probably going to learn that in, or not learn that, but like go through that process in September. Like, you know, you like Jadarian Price. Can you trust him in a game? Uh, you know, you got to put him in a game first. Um, right, right. But, uh, you know, Lamar, I talked to his coach a little bit last week. Um, you know, they do a little bit of everything with him, including defense. Um, so it's the Wildcat quarterback. So I, you know, always want the, were you the best athlete on the field on the team? Yes. Um, check that box. Um, you know, I asked uh, Washington really wasn't uninvolved, but it sounded like that had more to do with Washington kind of dropping the ball with the coaching staff mm-hmm. change. So that's always like a bit of a, like if the in-state school isn't going hard after you, like what's yeah, the yeah. deal? Um, so kind of answered that question a little bit, but I mean, he's, he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Whereas price, I don't think is, but, I think Price can do the running back part of being a running back really, really, really well. I like Jaden Lamar. I mean, the more I saw him, the more I I liked him. O'Malley, I agree with you that I don't necessarily, you know, you don't look at that guy and say, okay, he leapfrogs this player and this player because they have a good, they've got a good running backs room. There's no doubt about it. And I think your, your comment about burying Logan Diggs, I think there's something to that as well. I think the opinion about him is swayed a little bit by the USC Jersey stuff it's, whether it's that was over, him or not or you like know over shifted from he was definitely overrated I know. what he did last year to <laughs> right. now like god you're burying the guy he's still a pretty good runner it's right the the jump over the the db at virginia was you know blown out of proportion a little bit uh albeit a tremendous uh athletic move on his part but no i, I you know i like Jaden mickey I, I would say that the one thing that you would like to see him do is have a little more knee bend and lower the pads because he takes a lot of blows to the upper body. And he, you know, he is, when you look at him, you say, wow, he's not very big. And then you got guys in high school that are bouncing off his upper body. So he has some strength there. I like him. I mean, I think there's some versatility to him. Samson, you said, um, you know, uh, uh, about him doing a lot of things and using him in a lot of ways. Absolutely true. Tunnel screens, every way that they possibly can put the, the football in his hands. 
I think he's a good back, but it, there's a there's a whole room full of good running backs, and and he he joins that group as does uh, Jabron Payne, who is a good running back as yeah, well. Yeah. So you know we, I mean we can talk about the running backs, but man, we're you know we're speculating about stuff that we haven't really seen yet. You know, I mean we saw some practices, we saw some stuff, but you don't really know exactly what they have in Jadarian Price, exactly what they have in Audric Estime, and for that matter, exactly what they have in Chris Tyree now that he's a, an upperclassman. But a good catch for Notre Dame. Um, just a, a, a couple of other pieces of information. Wide receiver Christian Hamilton from North Carolina has set up a visit with Notre Dame in the middle of June. That's a, that's a big catch uh, for Notre Dame. I know Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports was out at the Q, QB retreat and had some conversations with Julian saying the quarterback who's being recruited by Texas and LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Notre Dame. Um, he expects to make a decision before the conclusion of his junior season. Um, and I don't know how much depends upon uh, the quarterback out of Detroit and what his decision is, as it relates to, to a guy like Julian saying, did I say Justin? If I said Justin, I meant Julian. Um, so um, Dante Moore, you didn't want me. You guys said, "Can we get?" <laughs> can we get about CJ Carr? Okay, can, can we can we get through a, a podcast without mentioning Dante Moore? I don't know. Well, we have I to don't, try next time. I don't. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if um, um, Pete. I don't know. Do you? Is there any? Do you have any no. updates on no, him? It's nothing just, new. It is uh, Notre Dame still still feels very good that he will end up being in the Nordim class. It's, it's really, um, you know, it gets old for fans following it. You want some resolution to it. Uh, Dante Moore, however, is not on our, on the media's uh, time schedule, timetable, nor the fans timetable. So that stretches out a little bit more. I think we mentioned last time, Charlie Jones, the wide receiver from Iowa is in the transfer portal. I think Nordame has a pretty decent chance of landing him. What are your thoughts on that? I, I he would help. Um, you know, it's you think about where Notre Dame is at receivers that you're going to take a Buffalo transfer who was an Iowa walk on, um, and that would that would help your cause. But there's <laughs> there's 100 it would. Um, you know, it's, I think he was what Big Ten returner of the year as well. Um, so. You know, as a slot, he's a slot receiver with Avery Davis coming back from a knee. I don't feel like Notre Dame has another slot receiver right now, um, unless you're going to bump a running back out there. So that would help. Um, it would help not run somebody in the ground. And I That's think it would help give you a dynamic, somewhat dynamic athlete, um, you know, maybe in some in some spots. Somewhat. I think- not, yeah yeah and not running it and also this isn't like beggars this is beggars can't be choosers right now for Notre Dame for the one one-off year at wide receiver you need whatever help you can get he would help the rotation because he'd be in it you know he would he would enter the rotation and also I think this is not going to sound appealing to fans that want to see maybe Tyree and Styles carry the return game but Lorenzo Styles is going to log 800 snaps at wide receiver this year it would probably be great to plug in an experienced proven punt returner as opposed to asking Lorenzo Styles to do that too it's just Styles should be your punt returner if you had Michael Floyd and Golden Tate and Lorenzo Styles and you don't you have Lorenzo Styles and Lorenzo Styles and a Lorenzo Styles so I think I think it helps to add Charlie Jones and it'd be great if not, they had three Lorenzo Styles 
Yeah, no, it would be great. I like the scenario Lorenzo, you've created for Notre Dame. And then Lorenzo Styles could be a punt returner. But no, yeah. I think you, I do think he would help the rotation. Yeah, Jones can return punts. Brandon Joseph can return punts. Right. That, and that's they, a possibility yeah. as well. I, you know, I Jaden Mickey's name keeps <laughs> keeps coming up to us, and they they love Jaden Mickey. Jaden Mickey is in the mix. Jaden Mickey is going to play at corner. I'm not saying he's going to unseat anybody in the starting lineup. Although it would be Clarence Lewis if he did. Um, although, you know, boundary, I am field corner. I, I don't know exactly how that that works out because they liked um, they liked, liked Cam Hart in the open field. He is not so. going to unseat Cam Hart. I, 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 no, I almost, no, no, no. I I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. I, I think they love Jaden Mickey. And this, this is not to, you know, pop the balloon a little, but. I think they love Jaden Mickey as compared to the three guys that they don't love they got last year. Yeah, I, I don't think, think they like, jumped all three of those. Guys. I think he's jumped all three of those guys, and I don't think he's going to jump junior year Clarence Lewis. And I think it's great that they love Jaden Mickey, and you need four really good corners, and maybe and now he's the fourth. <laughs> but I just think that I don't think if we sat down with Mickens and O'Leary and Golden and Freeman. He would say, yeah, I mean, Clarence Lewis is, you know, he's really, he's in trouble with the way Jaden Mickey's playing. I think you trust Clarence Lewis until you can't trust him anymore. Uh, I agree. I'm not saying he jumps him. I say yeah. he joins him. That's great. And, and that's awesome, another guy on the field. Someone to join him. Yeah. You know, Kyle Hamilton is a freshman, although his role ended up being a little bit more extensive as the season right. went on. But now too many times we in the media and I think fans in general, it's like, okay, he's going to beat this guy out. The guy that it beat, beats out is going to stand on sideline the whole game. You know, it just doesn't. Right. It doesn't work. Like they don't. That. Yeah, it doesn't. And they don't, especially in today's game using, you know, multiple backups, you don't have to do that. So, but I, you know, I think Jaden Mickey is in the mix and is going to play and is going to be prominent if, you know, although he may not unseat Clarence Lewis, that's fine. You need multiple guys out there. I think a great way of looking at Mickey would be if Clarence Lewis was having that game in the Fiesta Bowl, they would be like, let's go to Jaden Mickey right now, as right. opposed to, well, we're just well, going to have to live and, with Clarence Lewis getting right. beat. <laughs> and how many times in the last couple of years have we seen Clarence Lewis and or Tariq Bracey yes. go through a period in a game where they can't get out of their own way, and so right, they put Jaden right. Mickey. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a good development. Whether he starts or not is not is really not relevant at this point. It's just, is he ready to play? And they feel he will be ready to play this fall. Uh, guys, what else do we have? Uh, anything else on the front burner for segment one before we jump into questions? Pete, what are you working on? Uh, I am working. <laughs> do you want to hear about my state of the program, Boston College? Um, no. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only no. if Zay Flowers is transferring. Last then week, um, yeah. So l- last week I had sort of the, I think the, the advice column for Marcus Frew and first time head coaches. Um, but then also I went on the alumni circuit. I know you, Tim, you had sort of written a, a bunch off what he had said to Lunani. Um, and so I got yeah, to milk that for all it was worth. Yes, you did. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it was interesting sort of going out to, I went down to Tampa and then Hilton head and talking to a couple alumni about just sort of their perception. And one of them was a former player, uh, Jim Smithberger, who played on the 66 team. Oh, and I remember him. Eight. And he talked about how when uh, they had their 55 year anniversary of the 66 team felt sort of like shuff, shuffled to the side um, by Notre Dame, you know, they're, you know, no, 
not on the field, nothing in the monogram room. Um, and the players on that team felt, or he said that he felt this way and some other players did just like, we're like, you know, we don't need to go back to Notre Dame anymore. Um, you know, if this is how we're going to be treated. And he said that, you know, Marcus Freeman inviting the players back makes him reconsider that position a lot. Um, and that's, I think that's part of the, one of the benefits of the former players coming back that I didn't really think about a whole lot. Um, I just thought about in terms of, uh, you know, the current players and, you know, Marcus Freeman learning a little bit more about the, the, the program, but I think for some former players who felt like, you know, maybe a little bit marginalized just because they've been away for so long, it's, it's really significant for that group of players too. I find that I read that I read that article, Pete was very good. I find it curious that, people wouldn't know who's on campus that you're celebrating and do something about it just because Brian Kelly didn't. It's, I, I don't put this all at Brian Kelly. I think Marcus no, Freeman, no, no, no. I think Marcus Freeman is doing a great job of saying, Hey, no, this is happening. We have these players. This is what we are featuring this happening. Um, in fairness, it was 2021, right? I mean, Notre Dame probably wasn't there. Were, they weren't allowing people upstairs at the monogram room still with masks and stuff like there's yeah. a little bit. Of, there's a little bit at play here there where they weren't allowing stuff, stuff, which, yeah. which, yeah, Jim said he's like, you know, we heard COVID. Um, yeah. you know, they they talk about like the monogram room being occupied, so they had their alumni dinner at the Holiday Inn, which didn't. Well, that's like, weird. That's weird. That didn't that's suit weird. them all that well. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I tried not to lean too much into that because sometimes you get into like older players, like back in my day, oh, or you oh, get, yeah. kind of get the disgruntled. But I just thought the big takeaway was there: you have this guy who's played for Era. 55 years removed from Notre Dame and looking at Marcus Freeman, this young, energetic new coach and thinking like, yeah, this, this gets me sort of re-enthused about my alma mater and the football program where I, where I played 55 years ago. I thought that was significant. I think it's going to be interesting to see how many guys come back for next year's blue goal game. This year's turnout, they were saying 297. I counted 261, whatever. It was a great turnout. Um, a guy that I'm supposed to, uh, I'm scheduled to have an interview with tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, is Randy Kinder, who um, I believe is number 11 on, quietly, number 11 yeah. on Notre Dame's all-time rushing list. Um, you know, and he encountered some issues late in his career in Notre Dame, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much he's been back. Uh, but he was one of the guys that came, one of the 261 that came back for the blue goal game. So I'm interested to to hear his perspective on it too. And I saw another interview with him in which he said, you know, about unsure about, uh, again, the same the same idea, the unsure about coming back to Nordham campus and how welcome they are and all that. So I think it'll be interesting to talk to Randy Kinder. I haven't spoken with Randy Kinder since he left in the in in the mid-90s. I think he'll be a, a good interview that'll give a little bit different perspective uh, on that, uh, not, not different perspective, but another perspective from that blue goal game weekend. You know, I one thing I, uh, I was just going to add on this. I ran into a former player around town, um, you know, Kelly era. And we were talking about this concept of players being welcome back. And like, I said, like, weren't you guys always sort of like, welcome back. And he's like, if you were in the league, yeah. you were really welcome back. I, and if you weren't, it was just like, whatever. Um, so that, Maybe that that certainly I think that tone has changed quite a bit. Was Weiss uh, like was Weiss like that or did he? Uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't remember. So. I don't remember that at all. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't either. I I, I didn't. Even, I mean, I really didn't consider much of this until it came up that player that player 
Martin uh, Friday, a uh, guy that's always been welcomed back by everybody because once again, Brian Kelly's best in the league. But uh, he's he's pretty excited about um, <laughs> he's overly excited about Harry Heastan and Chris Watt being back, of course. Um, but I got he's he seems pretty bullish on the uh, on the line too. He was uh, you know he was heavily involved. We talked to Josh Lug. He's like Zach Martin fixed my backside drive. <laughs> like explain this to us. He's like, well, I literally had a seven time All Pro watching my left foot. That helps a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah. It's a really interesting concept. Um, but yeah, I don't think Zach falls into the wasn't welcome back list. No, no definitely not. <laughs> so definitely. He, not. We did not discuss the not welcome back thing because he probably would have been like, huh? <laughs> that doesn't seem to make any sense to me. But All right, that's it for segment one. Coming back, segment two, burning up the boards. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Segment two, burning up the boards. Question from play like a champ seven. Other than any wide receivers in Tyler Buckner, is there a player on the roster who could improve enough that it would cause you to think Nordame could be better than you thought in 2022? I think the fun thing about college football and this question is there's probably about five of them that could do that. We just don't know who they are yet. Uh, well, and they're all on the offensive side of the ball, right? Right. Yeah. Like, so we already, I mean, I think we all hold Leofau in extremely high regard. So you can't like say, I mean, he would have to improve to be the first team all American to go for. We think he's one of the best players on defense. So eliminating those type of guys, I mean, could, what about Bracey being as good as Chris O'Leary and Mickens says he is. That's that would be huge. That yeah. would be huge. No doubt. That would be a significant one. I, I thought about DBs, but then I just like, maybe we're overcomplicating it. If, if Riley Mills oh, good one. took a huge jump, with Foskey, who we already know is really good, yeah. I think that would be very, very difficult to play against Notre Dame, especially because, like, Jason Admalola is good on the good. interior already. already. Inside. Yeah. yeah, so if you gave if you gave me Riley Mills and he looked like 75% of what Foskey was last year or maybe a little bit more like, you know, it's six games like the Virginia game yeah, instead of one, uh, or seven games like the Virginia game instead of one, you know, Florida state was really good too. So that would, I think that would, yeah, that, that, that's how you would give Ohio state a game. You're, you're not going to like cover them. No, that's a draft. Yeah, yeah. You have to get in CJ Stroud's <laughs> face. So if you had two edge rushers, that would change my, how oh, and you throw in and, and just Adam Malola is going to yeah. rotate yeah. in and out there as well. So that would be your third. We know he can rush the passer. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to see how good Riley Mills, mm-hmm. not how good, how consistent, a, a, as you're saying, how consistent, because I think 
that that's been the issue. And I think that you can look at individual reps with him and you say, damn, he's good. And the next one, it's like, keep playing hard. You're not, you stop playing hard and you didn't play hard through the whole rep. So I think what he if, has what if I, Blake Fisher is like all American consideration this year, as opposed to next year, does that I'll be change? honest? I've, I feel like it's kind of baked into my expectation. Yeah. I, I can see what you're saying. If it, maybe if he, he and all are like, wow, are these the second best bookends in the country? Something along those lines, it changes. Everything. Yeah, but how do you, I mean, how do we not look at, Braden Lindsay and Avery Davis and almost Chris like Tyree and for Lindsay, it's almost like, all right, I'm just going to wait and watch and see if he does it. I can't. All right. But to answer the question, yeah. if Braden Lindsay, Lindsay would be high the my player, list right. If Braden Lindsay becomes the player that we think we saw flash in the spring. And again, it comes down to consistency. Speaking of consistency, consistency yeah. I mean, yeah. it comes down to more than probably more than anyone else. It comes down to consistency with Braden Lindsay, where you string together a month of quality performances, right. which we've never seen that happen. Chris Tyree. I mean, Chris, let's see Chris Tyree become the explosive, consistent back yeah. that you somewhat anticipated when he came in. I still think with Braden Lindsay, you just need to win a game, a big one. Like it just changes everything. If Braden Lindsay, instead of getting the USC reverse once, if he gets that in a deep ball, eight times in eight games, <laughs> you've, you've really helped yourself out. I think he's still almost X factor for me. I, I just don't see him catching. I don't see him going TJ Jones on us and catching 65 passes for no, probably just, not. Or what if it, you know, what if a Tobias Merriweather walks in and stakes a claim to the, the, uh, yeah, that's nice. the boundary wide receiver position. I mean, yeah, that would be absolutely massive, absolutely massive. So my, most of my guys are on the offensive side of the ball. I see where you're, where you're coming from when you mention some of the players that you do defensively. But I think I think going into the season, the defense is going to be a strength. I think we were pretty confident of that. It's how consistent and how many points on the board that the offense can 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 put up. Next question is kind of related from Wash ND. Let's say we get to fall camp and Billy Schroth looks like another Alt or Fisher, but at guard. Do they keep Patterson at center and insert Schroth at left guard, or they continue with the move of Patterson to guard and let Schroth and Lug battle it out? Would a job share be in the cards? This is also a thinly veiled question of, could you get Josh Lug out of my lineup, please, by uh, Notre Dame message board posters and watch MD. Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't know how to answer that question. If Billy Schroth comes out and is as good as we think he can be, you know, I, I always feel like I have to remind everyone that the Alt Fisher emergence as freshman is, I mean, that is, that is, that is the exception to the rule, man. And then you had two of them in the same year. Although, you know, if, if Fisher doesn't get hurt, do we see Alt? No. As a starter last year, you don't. So, uh, you know, I don't know. We love Billy Strouth. He he has to get healthy and has to show that he can, actually compete at that high level. I can't answer this question that I know that there was some debate on our message board about, well, this other outlet said it's not a done deal with Patterson. Well, this outlet is saying, I, you know, I mean, what, what is a done deal? Anything can change it. Right. At it's any point, but the, I mean, right. But on May 31st, the plan is for Jared Patterson to play guard. I, I, and I, I don't know how to speak beyond that, especially with a question about Billy Shroud, who we haven't seen healthy on the football field yet so do you think like if this in this scenario you would your guards would be patterson and Trouth, and z Carell would be your center 
Zeke Carell's the center. And yeah. then, right now it's Patterson I, and Lug. I think I think Shroff beating out Lug is a I don't, huge yeah. ask. Oh, I, yeah. I I'm not know. saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying if, if you're trying to if make was going to replace somebody in the lineup, I don't know if you would replace oh, yeah. Carell. I then, think you would replace, I think you'd go back to Shroff replacing the left guard and Patterson being the center. If this, okay. if this single scenario happens and Shroff is Blake Fisher, <laughs> this, this is a very narrow hypothetical. It, it really is a very is. narrow and hypothetical, it, but I get that, it. I, I get the point of the question was what Pete brought up. So I'm glad you did. Cause now we're answering the actual question is I think Patterson would be the center then. Okay. I think at that job. point you'd be like, all right, forget it. I'm sorry, Zeke Carell. You had a great job at center. You're a center, obviously. But now we have a mauling freshman guard and the best center in the country. That's, so. that's a good point. And good a job, job share, that was also part of the question. I, I You know, that's that's always a possibility if you have a freshman, especially. six starter or a, you know, 5A uh, kind of guy that you that you trust to, to put out there. And Harry Heastan has done that in the past. Question from uh, Ever to Excel. It is the year of the Lord, 2024. <laughs> Joe Alt and Blake Fisher are each in the NFL draft in the green room, green room with Marcus Freeman and Harry Heastan. I don't see Harry Heastan in the green room. But anyway, whose name gets called first, Alt or Fisher? Fisher, but that doesn't mean he has to be a better pro. But Blake Fisher's name gets called first. I agree, Fisher. It just... The the width on Fisher. Yeah, there's just too, there's too looks much. Ridiculous. To, <laughs> he looks ridiculous. Physically, there's too much. I mean, I think Alt's going to be a great player. Me too. But uh, he I, looks know, like really Orlando Pace. He looks like Orlando Pace out there. He, he literally, you look out there and you're like, my gosh, look at the size of that person. Jack, also, to- um, I was just to say bad news for Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. The 2024 draft is in Detroit. <laughs> Well, he's taking drive up then. He can go. Yeah, I think he's saying, will actually make it. Yeah. Jack, we need to release my uh, expertly uh, filmed video from the Fiesta Bowl practice when I just got Blake Fisher and you hear the uh, reporters from Oklahoma State going, my God, that's what a Notre Dame <laughs> offensive lineman looks like. <laughs> it's just awesome in the background. It was a size what, thing. That's what an Alabama offensive lineman looks like. Yes, they hadn't played Alabama, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because we were on the field for for uh, 2012, and that was that was an eye opening experience. Uh, but but that's Blake Fisher, Fisher plays like for Notre Dame. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's what that's what Blake Fisher looks like in a Notre Dame uniform. Question from Irish Gambler: uh, Kyron Williams was excellent at getting the offense out of jams. How is that role filled this year? Butner's legs could it be the offensive line? I love this question because it's a great point that we're overlooking with Notre Dame's really good running backs room is that Kyron Williams would be the starter if he was in Notre Dame's really good running backs room and two guys would be transferring right now because he would do all the work. He was, he was great at getting the offense out of jams. He was the toughest guy you're ever going to see back there. And I think it's Buckner's legs. I agree. I think it'll be Buckner's legs because they don't, I mean, you could say it's mayor. Um, yes, but that I think that's. But I think that's right. like the he's doing more than getting the offense out of jams, <laughs> just doing everything. Um, so I guess that includes the jams. But you know, broken play, you got a quarterback who can run. I think that's you're kind of overthinking it if you're not saying Buckner. I think it's it's definitely Buckner's legs, and as it was Ian Book's legs. Think of how many yeah. times he got right. them out of a jam. You know, and it, like there would be disappointment. He'd drop back the pass on third and seven. Nobody would be open and he would run for the first down. And you could almost feel the crowd like being disappointed that he that he had to run and not throw the football. Yeah, but, but Buckner, any way that you 
look different running the football than book. He's, what a disappointing first down. Yeah. <laughs> like I get, I get I, Tim, you're right. I mean, and of course people should have been, people should really been grateful about Ian book in a few games, but his ability to move. But I think when Tyler Buckner tucks and runs that that's a pretty good weapon. Yeah. And I, you know, the question about who fills the role, we get a lot of questions like this that probably nobody because they're, they don't have Kyron Williams. No, he was, they don't, they don't have somebody like that. Buckner, you know, obviously coming from the quarterback position and approaching it in a, in a different way than, than Williams would, of course, uh, you know, he has that ability. You got to keep him healthy all year that they don't have a running back that can, can be Kyron Williams right two, now. Two years ago though, on this podcast, they didn't have a running back that could be Kyron Williams and they had Kyron Williams. We just didn't know. it. <laughs> Absolutely true. Absolutely true. <laughs> but he's a special guy. Also one year ago, we were taking questions both from Irish illustrated and the athletic. Is he your favorite running back other than Bettis ever? <laughs> so I think people yeah. need to remember how good Kyron Williams was and how funny it was to watch. Irish John M. Given that Notre Dame has been able to obtain unable to obtain a wide receiver in the portal, are we looking at the probability that one of the freshman tight ends will be placed at wide receiver to provide depth, if not reps? If so, is it Raritan stays or both? Well, it's definitely not stays. He's a tight end, and and Raritan's a tight end too. But he has wide receiver ability. And and again, I have not had anybody tell me they're going to do this. This was a, a concept having when you saw. Uh, Raritan before his injury, he was playing like a wide receiver in a tight end's body. So, I mean, that's, that's my whole thing. And again, Tobias Merriweather can, can change all this talk, but it wouldn't be stays stays is more of a prototypical tight end. And, and, you know, Raritan is doing extremely well. We saw the video out there of him. Uh, he wasn't deadlifting. He, he in the squat rack, what do you like? Looking athletic looking athletic i'm not coming up with the term for the term for the move that he did in the weight room which i should know but um anyway he's ready to go um he looks like he's going to be ready to go and they have options with him yeah i would say you know merryweather's your first option as you said earlier on like a player that would take a big jump that might affect the, the outlook for the team but you know raritan maybe would be a an emergency we just need somebody to make this work put raritan out there yeah, it's a lot. It's a big ask for a freshman to move positions, but I bet they wouldn't have a move positions. He'd just be all right. You're going to start doing some work over there on the boundary. Yeah. It has nothing to do with moving. It's not. You know? Yeah, you don't have to say you're changing positions. It's right. you're 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 uh, adding to your role. That's all. Hey, that go is. spend some time with Coach Stuckey today. That's all you got to say, right? <laughs> that's that's, yeah. the, that's the way of making it happen. Uh, long long cut. Who is the most underrated player on the 2022 team? Long cuts choices are Jack Kaiser and Chris Tyree. Those are good choices. I would uh, just try and do it. Those are probably, uh, you know what? I wouldn't put Tyree in that category. I know, but I think he's doing the, uh, everybody is overlooking <laughs> Tyree because of Jadarian price type thing. And that I, could, I that, that could very well, that could very well be, but I don't think that we're, I don't think we're underrating Chris Tyree right now. We're, we're looking for Chris Tyree to, to take his game up a notch or two. I, this won't be a popular choice, uh, and he may be beaten out for a starting spot, but I think J.D. Bertrand was very underrated last year, not when he was in space, mm. not when he was in space and had to change directions, but when he was lined up between the tackles in the box, he was a very, very good Mike linebacker. Um, I think D.J. Brown, I think That's we're underestimating yeah. D.J. Brown. Mm. Tim, you brought that up last week, I think. 
Yeah, that's a good one. We have already, just because Ramon Henderson played 91 snaps in a uh, bowl game where Notre Dame gave up 38 points, we had announced him as the starting safety next to Brandon Joseph, but I think DJ Brown. Now, DJ Brown had a bad, uh, actually, DJ Brown had a, the second worst game out of that secondary. True. So I guess I shouldn't bring up that game, but I, I think he looked good in the blue goal game and he's he's made plays in his career. Who do you have I as was, underrated, Pete? I, Kaiser. And I would change underrated, underappreciated, because we talk about everybody on the team ad right. nauseum over the course of 12 months. So, like, <laughs> I feel like everyone is rated in some way. Yeah, uh, sure are. But I think what Kaiser does is um, is underappreciated. Yeah, those are the best choices on defense. Um, I would say Justin Adamiola, Justin but, Adamiola but, yes. but Tim Priester and I do not yeah. underrate Justin Adamiola at all. No, not <laughs> on this pod. This not is on a this Justin podcast. Adamiola Appreciation Podcast. Yes, he's like the Joe Dumars of this thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, is he really better than his? No, stop saying that. <laughs> I always like to use that, Pete, as a former Pistons fan that yes. you were growing up. That pump maybe, breaks a little on that. Maybe yeah. just maybe Josh Lugs a little bit underrated. Now you're just going for but, straight out. I'm the least popular podcaster on the no, I know, seat for the but day. <laughs> I would, but he has to, he has to prove that. Yeah. I understand. I mean, I understand the reaction. I just go, there's a few tail of the tapes from the season where, where I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe the, some of the, uh, some of the decision-making by Josh Lug. So I, I get that, but I think, I think Josh Lug coached by Harry Heastan has a chance to be a guy that improves uh, quite a bit in 2022. Jay Siler 13, who is pound for pound the strongest player on the roster right now? I don't know. Do you? No, the first guy. I got a couple guesses, but yeah, I, do, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. My first guess is Leofau. Um, I'm trying to scan more. I mean, Bertrand is very strong. I think there's player. a couple on the D line. Yeah. That, oh, that's a good call. Yeah. I think Howard Cross right. has a chance to be that guy, and Riley Mills could be that guy. And I would throw out an offensive lineman. It might be Michael Carmody. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I mean, Mayer looks fairly oh, yeah, robust. Him too. Yeah. yeah. He a pound for pound is probably the strongest player on the team. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I, maybe I Leah I just see so much athlete there that I'm thinking all his measurables would be pretty impressive if in the combine situation. Yeah, I think it's more the latter, uh, uh, yeah. the 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 whole package as yep. opposed to a pound for pound kind of thing. But I don't know. That's a good question. I would. Uh, we can ask may, people in August. Yeah, you may hear me uh, ask that ad nauseum to player after player once <laughs> interviews start in August. Yeah, they'll give you a good answer too. Right, because the player it'll be the first thing that pops into their mind, and that'll be accurate as opposed to a coach who has to couch it all all the way through the thing. But yeah, it'll just be ask Fosky. He'll tell you right away. Could it be Fosky? It's not Fosky. <laughs> he's but, too big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like saying yeah. Blake Fisher pound for pound is yeah. the. He's just fine as he is. He's just yeah. Just let's leave Fosky. He could just do it anyway. Hey, so Tim, you're off the hook because this question from Martin Evenflow did mention the quarterback. Oh. If Notre Dame does not land Dante Moore, is it fair to seriously doubt Tommy Reese's ability to land highly ranked quarterback recruits? Signing Tyler Buckner over a five-year span should be a cause for concern, right? I think great, it's... That's a great sentence. <laughs> I think it's... I mean, he says, is it fair to seriously doubt? Yeah, I guess it's fair to seriously doubt. I, But I would... I would couch that by saying, I don't, I mean, I'm not, obviously I'm not listening to and watching Tommy Reese 
recruit, recruit quarterbacks, but I think we know the personality that's developed with the former Notre Dame quarterback, now quarterbacks coach and, and offensive coordinator. And I, I, I can't imagine that his line of communication with the guys that he is recruiting is poor. It's it. He's become a really good recruiter. He's be, he, his personality. We didn't see a lot of his personality come out as a player, but it's really come out as a, as a football coach. Yeah. I, I think he's a good recruiter. Um, the Dante Moore situation, if he ends up somewhere else, he'll probably look back and be like, ah, we should have gone more all in on Vizina. Um, yeah, but it's with quarterback recruiting, it's such a weird position. I think every year they could look back and be like, oh, with the exception of Buckner's year, they're like, oh, you know, maybe we could have pivoted here or moved on a different guy there. Or, but I mean, Notre Dame quarterback recruiting has been a little bit all over the map long before Reese was the offensive coordinator. I mean, you're go- going back to when Reese was a player. Uh, I think Notre Dame's quarterback recruiting was a little bit funky and ad hoc. So um, I like Reese as a recruiter, but it's a fair question because they, they have, for how strong a job they've, they're doing it basically every other position right now, quarterback, if without more would be a bit of a buzzkill. Tim, what you got? Yeah, it's just bad that. Yeah, well, it's, I was going to say two things. Now, Pete mentioned the Dante Moore situation. It's bad that it is now the Dante Moore situation, as opposed to the recruitment of Dante Moore. It sounds like it's part something from Pulp Fiction that is going wrong. Yeah. But uh, you do. I mean, he's a pretty important get. I do want to go back to a couple podcasts ago, though. Like he is on the heels of Tyler Buckner. You're just making one of them not stick around, right? So at the end of the day, if they don't get Dante Moore and they get their number one target in 2024 and he replaces Tyler Buckner an extra year later, it's actually not the end of the world. But you have to get your number one target in 2024 too. That's the big but, right? And it's better to just get Dante Moore. As we've said, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia – you're bringing in Dante Moore to challenge Tyler Buckner, not, oh, we have a starting quarterback in 2024. We'll need another one. They clearly, they got to get beyond that because that's what it is now. It's Pine and then Buckner. All right, great. We got Buckner, but then it was Clark and Angeli. And it's like, oh boy, you're yeah. really. No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I would say I put this in my mailbag this week. Top 10 overall prospects who are quarterbacks from the 2018 to 2020 cycles. I, Shoved aside 2021 because they were freshmen last year. There were four who were top 10 overall prospects in those four cycles. And Dante Moore is a top 10 overall prospect. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Bryce Young, DJ Uyunglele. So yep. pretty important. Pretty important. So who's the number one? Tim, you mentioned number one target in 2024. I mean, well, is, I mean, is I mean, they kind of have two. Well, or CJ Carr. Yeah. Yeah, Carr is very I mean, high on their list. Well, if you get, so, so I mean, if you, you get really have two. Car, then... I don't think anybody would argue with either one of them. No, I guess that's what I meant. You're only getting one of them, obviously. So, um, that's a really well, good recruiter. But the, uh, I love the way the ball comes off Julian Sands' hands. Yes, yeah. Um, it's it's he kind of he kind of cups it underneath it, but the ball doesn't. I, from my experience, seeing that in the past, those kind of balls can sail. His don't. And he, he's got a whip, but I like a lot of things that CJ Carr does too. So 
I like a lot of things Dante Moore does too. They just get them yeah. both. Just bring them in. Yes. It's good. Yes. Final question from Keen DJ. With Notre Dame baseball getting shafted two years in a row, do you expect this to be something that could chase Link Jarrett away from the program? Or do you see him building the program and facilities to overcome this in the future? Speaking of facilities, <laughs> there are things in the works to upgrade Notre Dame's baseball facilities. Don't ask me when they're going to start it because I don't have the answer to that. How is the training that, table, though? That's the actual question. I think we can uh, expect to see a, an upgrade in the Notre Dame baseball stadium in the future. I just don't have that date. But as it relates to the question, first of all, I don't think Notre Dame, I don't think Notre Dame baseball was screwed by not getting a top eight seed. For them not to be in the top 16 and not to be able right. to host a regional I think is, is really criminal. <laughs> really, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, bad. that's really, that's really bad. And I know that you, you, you don't, you don't make decisions upon what happened last year with this year, but Nordame has the best record by far in the ACC in the last two years. And it, they deserve to host a regional top eight. They were one in six against the top three seeds in the ACC tournament. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think they got screwed not being. And, and the point of that is if you're a top eight and you win your regional, you're going to host a, a, a super regional, which now they would have to, by the way, you know, if Nordame wins their regional with Texas tech in it and Georgia Southern, do you know who they're going to have to play? <laughs> they're probably going to have to go to Knoxville and play 53 and seven Tennessee. So now that part, that, that also, <clears throat> That's that also is yeah. getting shafted. <laughs> That's getting shafted. Um, but, you know, they have been, and the question is, it relates to Link Jarrett. You know, I don't know, I don't know Link Jarrett's mindset exactly, but suitors are going to continue to come after him. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll happen again upon the conclusion of this season. So, I mean, if you're in his situation and he feels like they have been shortchanged by not hosting a super regional last year and then what happened this year, I mean, that's a very strong possibility. I knew Pat Murphy really well. He received an offer from Arizona State. He couldn't pass that up. Paul Maneri tripled his salary at LSU and he couldn't pass that up. I don't know exactly how patient Link Jarrett will be, uh, but he's he, – you know, I don't, Nordheim doesn't have one of the 16 most talented baseball teams in the country, but they have one of the 16 best baseball teams in the country. Mm-hmm. What it, I was interested, like facilities, what do they need? I, I'm well, very, I don't know anything about. Well, the, I, actually, the most pressing need is to have a, uh, in a, a first base as an opposing team dugout locker room facility. They, they don't really, they have, a, they have a great one for the home side, but on the visitor side, it's just insufficient. Um, you know, I mean, they, they have like 2,500 seats. I think I did something last year on the seating within uh, the ACC. Northern Indiana, Notre Dame baseball, no matter how good Notre Dame baseball is, in March and April, people aren't going to come out to Notre Dame. You don't need more than 2,500 seats. The only time it comes into play right now season so yeah i mean i think it's more you know a peripheral kind of thing i love their field what they've done to upgrade the upgrade the the field itself um 
but you know, certainly Notre Dame getting shortchanged or Notre Dame feeling like they got shortchanged is not going to help in keeping Link Jarrett long-term. So that's the state of the, uh, the, the baseball situation. Notre Dame plays Texas Tech again. That's the important uh, part. They get to play still. They so do. They, they get they to play. Get to they play. play. They play a tough Texas Tech team uh, Friday at two o'clock, and and then they'll go from there. Double elimination, fourteen pod, which incidentally, incidentally also includes UNC Greensboro, which is where Link Jarrett came from yeah. before he was at Notre Dame. So that's it for today. We will be back on our Monday schedule next week, right, Jack? Yep. No reason to think otherwise. We'll be back on. Uh, on Monday, June 6th, for another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us.